Father, that is 100% true. Each of those things we have just sung, they are not just words on a screen. God, they are the truth of the living God. You are great and you are awesome and you are holy. And Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to come to earth and ultimately to die for us that for all who believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, that is good news. That is the greatest gift of all time. Father, that is your great love for us. Although salvation is free, it definitely wasn't cheap. It cost you your very son. And so, Father, as we open up your word right now, I pray that you would remove distraction from this place, that, Father, any cares or anxieties from the week, we would just cast those on you right now, knowing that you care for us. God, would you please continue to minister to the heart of each person here, Open eyes to see, ears to hear, and heart to, hearts to respond to what you would say to your church today. Lord, be with my mouth, guard it from error, and say what you want to say. More of you and less of us. Lord, you must increase right now, and we must decrease. We pray this in the awesome name of Jesus Christ. Church, if you agree, say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church, and Merry Christmas to all of you. Praise the Lord. What a blessed time of year this is. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Ray Kaprowski, and I have the great privilege of serving as the senior pastor here at Harvest. And we genuinely welcome you here in the name of the Lord. Let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 3, verses 16 to 21. If you do not have a Bible in front of you, just put up your hand, because one of our ushers is coming by right now. We would love to put one in your hand, so you can continue to follow along in God's Word. And if you do not have a copy of God's Word at home, then please keep that as a free gift, as our way of encouraging you to continue to study God's Word. John chapter 3, verses 16 to 21, and the title of this morning's message is, So Fitting at Christmas, For God So Loved the World. For God So Loved the World. And that title is taken from verse 16 of our text today. You'll see it on the screen, and it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. All of Christmas, right there, is summed up in that one statement. That is why we celebrate Christmas. Without that statement being true, there is absolutely no reason to celebrate Christmas. If that's not true. All of, the, all of the events, from Mary and Joseph, to the wise men, to the angelic chorus declaring Christ's birth, to the shepherds who first heard it, all of it pointed to, to this statement right here. It all happened because of God so loving the world. This is literally the turning point in all of human history, God becoming a man. Staggering. 
You know, I saw that video up there, just a uh, second video, just as we finished the offering there, and I see that little picture of a baby, and I think, like, Almighty God took on flesh. That is awesome. And why did he do that? He did that for you, and he did that for me. But there, there's a problem here, though. Increasing numbers of people in this world believe that that act, this act, has no bearing or meaning on their lives whatsoever. More of it, well, that's great for you. You want to believe about Jesus Christ? You believe, that's good if you believe. You believe what you believe, and I'll believe what I want to believe. But here's the reality, loved ones. We cannot, as every person in this room, every person outside of this room, cannot escape this truth. Every single one of us has a problem, but it's a problem that not a single one of us can fix, and that problem is sin. Sin is what separates us from God, and God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sin. Jesus Christ was God's gift of love, grace, truth, Life, forgiveness, peace, joy. It was literally God's gift of God giving himself to us. And so today we will see in our text two life-altering truths that Christ's birth confronts us with. That is not an overstatement. It is literally two life-altering truths that Christ's birth confronts us with and we will respond to. Every single person in this room right now will respond to it with either a reception of it which leads to eternal life through the forgiveness of sin or rejection of it which leads to perishing apart from God in our sin. And so the question that's going to be interwoven throughout this entire text today is this. How will you respond to Jesus today? How will you respond to Jesus today? To honor the authority of God's word, let's stand as we read it together. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son to save us. Jesus is the Savior. That's our first point today. He gave his only son to save us. Jesus is the Savior. And the key question that underlines this entire section is this. My only hope is in Christ alone. Will I believe in him? My only hope is in Christ alone. Will I believe in him? Look at verses 16 to 18. For God so loved the world... 
that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Let's get some context here. You always want to read scripture in context. Verses 1 to 15 of chapter 3 that we looked at last week, um, they are uh, explaining through a dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus who can enter the kingdom of God. And now John lays out God's plan for salvation of man, which is nothing less than the greatest act of love ever displayed in human history. Well, who did this? Well, the first thing we see here is this, for God. For God. Greek word for God there is theos, which means the creator and sustainer of all things. The one who owns and has all authority over all things. That is your life, that is my life, that is everything that you see. For God, the one with authority. Now I'm not sure what images of God uh, you grew up with or maybe have come in here with today, but what we see right here in verse 16 is that God is not some angry dictator. God is not some angry dictator waiting to just kind of punish everybody who, you know, steps out of line. No, 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 no. The picture that God deliberately gives himself, the picture that Christmas represents of God is that he is a God of love. You say, well, how do you know? Because look at this, look at this. Keep reading the verse. For God so loved the world. I love that little word so there. You know what that means? So implies an intensity. There's an intensity to God's love. He so loved the world. He so loved you. He so loved me. He's not some angry, he so loved you. You could restate that saying, for this is how God loved the world. How, how does he do that? How did he show us that? A tangible way. The Greek word for love here, You'll see it on the screen is this. For God so loved the world. The Greek word for love is agape. Agape is the highest form of love there is. There is not a higher form of love that exists. It is to prefer or regard the welfare of another at all times. At great cost to oneself. That is the picture of God's love for the world. To prefer or regard the welfare of another at all times, at great cost to oneself. Let's break that down a bit more. Agape love is, is not, it's not a taking love. Agape love is not a give and take love. Agape is all give, all the time. All sacrifice and demonstrated in a tangible way. And specifically, we see here, God showed his love for us by providing a way for the salvation of man by giving his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sin. Now, the word only there, don't skip over that. In verse 16, the word only means unique, one of a kind. That means there is no other like him. 
Jesus isn't just one way to salvation. He is the way to salvation. He is the way to the forgiveness of sin. He gave his one and only son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish. The word perish there means be destroyed or cut off from God, but have eternal life with him in his presence. And God's gift of salvation is available to all. That's why he says, whoever believes in him. The word believe there, just so we're on the same page, we get some clarity here. The word believe, the Greek means this. It's called pistuo, placing one's faith or trust completely in someone. It's a transferring of trust from myself. I'm going to try to earn salvation on my own ways. If I'm just a good enough person, then I'll be okay. If I'm just better than the next guy, then I'm going to be okay. Believe there means to transfer a trust. I'm not going to rely on my finances. I'm not going to rely on the corporate ladder. I'm not going to rely on my good deeds. I am transferring that trust, that belief for salvation to Jesus Christ alone. And this belief isn't just some intellectual belief. I don't know where everybody comes from today. But there, you may have heard of Jesus before. You're like, yeah, okay, I believe a guy Jesus lived once. That is not saving faith. It's not an intellectual belief. It's a wholehearted trust, surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord. It goes way beyond an intellectual belief. It's believing that Jesus Christ came to earth as fully God and yet fully man, lived a perfect life, went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, the penalty that you and I deserved, and then three days later was raised from the grave, conquering sin and death for all time. And now, for all who confess him as their Lord and Savior, he gives new life and salvation through him. Because look, I love verse 17, he goes on. He says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, The word condemn there means to inflict punishment upon. God's not up there trying to be like, well, I'll give you a divine slap if things don't go well. He's not talking about that. God did not send Jesus to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The word save there means to be delivered from danger and into safety, rescued from the penalty and power of sin, and brought in to God's safety in his presence. This is why verse 18 goes on to say that whoever believes in him for salvation is not condemned. You are not condemned. You are not declared guilty before God or punished for sin because Jesus Christ has taken that for you. But for all those who don't put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, believing that salvation is through him alone, They are condemned and guilty before God because of their sin. And they have brought God's judgment upon themselves by rejecting rejecting his gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. See, what we see here so clearly in these first three verses is quite simply this. There is no neutral standing before God. There is no neutral standing before God. We are either in the place of salvation or in the place of condemnation before God. Right? But God sent Jesus into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save it for all who believe 
in him. And what we see here is that there is only one plan for salvation that God has given, and that is through Jesus Christ alone. He is the only savior and our only hope. It is not through, loved ones, hear me, hear me so clearly on this. It is not through doing good deeds. It is not through worshiping other gods or putting your faith or trust in other things or hoping that things turn out okay. If I just live a good life, maybe, maybe they'll put some stock in the bank with God and he'll go easier. It doesn't work like that, loved ones. Salvation is in Christ alone. Romans 8.1 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Love that verse. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Loved ones, know this. God loves you. God loves you. Someone needs to hear that in this room today. God loves you and sent his son, his only son, unique, one of a kind for you to die for you that you may have forgiveness and life and joy and peace hope and salvation in his name that is why we celebrate christmas it goes way beyond christmas parties and cards and eggnog and anything else that is what if that isn't being celebrated there is no Christmas I love how John Piper sums this up you'll see it on the screen he said this Christmas is the son of God expressing the love of God to save us from the wrath of God so we could enjoy the presence of God for whoever would believe in his name. But the question is, the question is this, will you believe in him? Will you put your faith and trust in him alone as your Lord and Savior? And you may say this, maybe you're here and you're like, well, I, don't, I can't do that. How could, God, how could God love me for what I've done? How could God love me for what I'm doing? I'm too mixed up in this stuff. I'm too far gone. Loved one, know this, know this. It's not about what you've done. But it's all about what God has done out of his love for you. And there is no one, hear this, hear this. There is no one who is too far gone For salvation in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you. Will you believe in him? Salvation available to all, but only those who believe will receive it. Will you believe in him? For God so loved the world, he gave his only son to save us. Jesus Christ is the Savior. And as we embrace Jesus Christ as our Savior, we see very clearly here that he gave his only son to show us that Jesus is the truth. You say, how do I know this is true? How do I know I I can believe this? This is why God gave us his only son. The key question for this section is this. Jesus is God's truth to the world. How am I responding to him? Jesus is God's truth to the world. 
How am I responding to him? Look at verses 19 to 21. It says this, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. See, in verse 19, John continues on here and states that this is the judgment. If I could break that down for clarity, say this. This is why people are condemned. This is why people bring judgment on themselves. Because the light has come into the world through Jesus Christ, but instead of receiving the light by believing God's truth that salvation is in Christ alone and submitting their lives to him, people have rejected the light and have loved the darkness. Let's get some clarity on what light is here. The Greek word there for light means the truth or revelation of God to man. The truth or revelation of God to man. God was literally manifesting himself in flesh to bring his truth to all of mankind. But people have rejected the light and they, they have loved the darkness. The word love there means they take pleasure in. We love to live in, the, live in the darkness, live in our sin, follow our flesh. And this is proved by the fact that, as you see in the text here, it's proved by the fact that their works, their deeds or actions were evil, which means this, they're opposed to God's standard or truth of what he says is right in his word. Now, verse 20 to 21, you see this. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. See, what we see here is as a result, it becomes very clear those who are saved through Jesus Christ and those who are not, because those who are saved will increasingly, doesn't mean you're perfect when you're saved, doesn't mean you you live this perfect life now. No, Jesus did that and covers us, but increasingly, We do what is true and right in obedience to God and his word, but not in our own strength, but in the power of God that he gives them. That's why it says, they may be clearly seen, verse 21, that the works have been carried out in God through his power, because we have nothing in and of ourselves that can give glory to God with our lives. None. There is nothing that we can do to stay obedient to the Lord. That's what he gives us upon receiving salvation. This is why he gives us the power of his Holy Spirit in us. That increasingly, increasingly, we are walking in the light and away from evil deeds. But the reality is those who are not saved, they hate the light. As we see here, they hate the light or the truth of God and refuse to come to him lest their evil works should be exposed. What exposed means is convicted of their sin. They don't want to be convicted as their deeds are brought to the truth, the light of God. Got me thinking about that this week, loved ones. We live, did you ever notice this? We live in a world that loves the darkness and does all it can to avoid having its evil deeds convicted by the truth of God. We live in a world that loves the dark. Just turn on the television. It loves the darkness. 
So much so, you ever notice it? It just keeps getting, getting more increasingly so that now it is said that truth is relative and can be whatever you make it. What's true is true for you, and that's working for you, that's wonderful. But this is true for me. That, that's the world we live in. Because when you expose evil deeds to the light or the truth of God that we have through his word, that we've been given through Jesus Christ, all of a sudden we see the evil for what it is, and so we run from that. I want to be right. Don't try to tell me I'm wrong. Don't tell me I'm That's the way society functions today. The darkness of the world wants to avoid coming under conviction as it is confronted with the absolute truth of God's word that was brought to us through Jesus Christ. And yet Jesus states this. Here he is. John eight twelve. you see it on the screen. He says, I am the light. Look at this. I am the truth of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever, there's that word again, whoever follows me, whoever believes in me, whoever obeys my word will not walk in darkness. You will not walk in the sin of this world, but you will have the light of life. Now, just by, by that very statement right there, that's a bold statement our Savior makes right there. But if walking in the light leads to life, then what does walking in the darkness lead to? Death. He says, I am the light of the world. See, and this is how we know the works who are in Jesus Christ because there is an increasing distinction from the world. If we have been saved through Jesus Christ, there's an increasing distinction in the life of a follower of Jesus that is opposed to the darkness of the world. It's like this, it got me thinking about this. I used to be a science teacher, and one of my favorite experiments was, you know, you're in a dark room, and then you just light a match, and you look at the properties of this. Well, it just got me thinking. Go ahead, put that on the screen, team. All right. You know something about light and darkness? They can't occupy the same space. Whenever light shines, the darkness is pushed out. And so it is in our walk with God. More light less darkness, and you see a distinction between the life of a follower of Christ opposed to the darkness of the world. Let me ask you a question. Jesus is God's truth to the world. How are you responding to him? Are you rejecting him or receiving him? Those are the only two options. It's not, well, I kind of believe Jesus' thing. I kind of believe that. No, you don't believe then. Rejecting or receiving him as the truth. Jesus says in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. It's so clear, loved one. And God the Father knew we would need a Savior. And he gave us one for all who would believe in him. And so maybe you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, and your first step in responding to him is believe that what he says is true. 
and repent and turn from your sin and confess him as your Lord and Savior. See, right now, here's, here's the beautiful thing. Right now, we are in an age of grace. That door of salvation is open. But soon, Jesus tells us this in the book of Revelation, very soon he's coming. And Christ will come back and that door, that opportunity for salvation will be closed. And at that moment, here's the thing that's going to happen. At that moment, you will realize that all he said was true when you see him coming from the clouds to earth again. You will know in that moment that all he said was true, but it will be too late. It will be too late for salvation in him. But at that moment, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That day is coming very soon. The question is, will you believe? Will you respond to his truth? And will you say, Jesus, I turn from my sin and I turn to you. You are my only hope. There's a lot of other quote-unquote beliefs that people throw around these days. Listen, loved ones, at the end of the day, there's only one that will prove true. How will you respond? Today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And maybe you're here and you, you have received Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Let me ask you this. How are you responding to Christ's truth? What area or areas are you still walking in darkness and rejecting his truth? Where is your love for the Lord? Where is your love for the world eclipsing your love for Christ? Patterns of sin, small g gods that you continue to erect. Loved ones, recognize the beautiful power that is the Christmas truth and know that you can repent and see the salvation, joy, peace, and hope that Christ came to give you. No one too far gone. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son to save us. Jesus is the savior. And he gave us his only son to show us that Jesus is the truth. Loved ones, hear it, hear it. This is Christmas. This is it. This is our savior. How will you respond to him today? And so right now, the worship team is going to come back up here. Um, but I just wanted to leave some extra time here at the end of the service today for people to respond. Just in the quietness of your own chair, just for you to respond to the Lord. Just say, Lord, where am I at? Am I responding to your truth? You've heard the word of the Lord proclaimed You've seen the the cost that God sent his son to save you out of his great love for you. I just want to give you time in your chair to respond to him right now. As you fit, let me pray. And then the worship team will lead us in our last song. Father, uh, I thank you so much for 
the gift of your son. I thank you so much for the gift of Christmas. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That is available today for everyone here. And I pray right now you would search hearts and I pray right now you would show clearly where people are in their walk with you. They receiving you or are they rejecting you? And so Father, would you please, would you please have mercy and open eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to respond. For it is in Christ alone that our hope is found. May that be realized again today, in Jesus' name.